Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 5th of July 2015. You know, without common indoctrination, the same indoctrination of pretty well everyone within countries into the system that they're taught to believe is all real and on the up and up, without that common indoctrination, people who could break through and see what's really going on in life, they'd be street-wise, they'd have street smarts, as they call it. Someone who's street smart can basically look at any situation and in very few words cut to the chase in a succinct manner and sum up what really is happening in a particular area and why it's really happening with no uh, flowery imagery on top of it, which is really superimposed by the establishment as to try to give you a fake reason for why things happen. They'd cut to the chase and go right to it in a very nonchalant manner because they naturally think that way. They see through things very quickly and the indoctrination they've had didn't take on them properly, so they're still pretty natural. They're natural people. And uh, you find in Charles Galton Darwin, he called the elite, who are very streetwise since they pull the, the hood over our eyes, basically, uh, of the general public. He called them the wild men. If you're wild instincts for survival, and therefore you really become, you are streetwise and street smart. Yet without this indoctrination, everybody should be street smart, and they would be more, more so too. What kind of society you'd have, I'm not quite sure, but the fact is you certainly don't have it now because everything is run by tremendous psychological public relations expertise, right down to the perfect little details of indoctrination in school on various topics and things like that, with the use of psychologists and neuroscientists and the behaviorists, etc., you have no idea how much work has gone into creating you with your mindset to be the way it is. And you have your quality approval stamp on you, your past fit to serve the system without knowing it by your betters. And yet most folk would be utterly shocked and probably completely in disbelief. This is the problem too. With any truth that comes out, regardless of facts, facts don't count when you're talking to the perfectly indoctrinated person. They'd be really shocked if they could understand that, like Charles Galt and Darwin talked about, there's always been slavery in one form or another, all down through the ages. And really it's in order for the, the, the privileged elite to have their natural place in running the whole show and personally benefiting from it. And they truly do believe in the eugenics system. The, the whole concept of eugenics and superior types is very ancient, very ancient indeed. And they believe, and have always believed, it's a right to rule everyone else beneath them. Uh, the, the problem is, if they get too big for their britches, which they always do, there's been rebellions done through history, and they never really feel safe. The safest they can be is when they indoctrinate populations into thinking that they're all free, and they have a say in what happens in their life, even though it's not true at all. It's a great con, but everyone gets that indoctrination that somehow government is there to serve the people, which is a joke. It's never, ever been that way. And as I say, a streetwise person could sum up that so fast and give you a thousand million examples of it.
in a short space of time to show you why it's never been that way and it is not now. When everything's done in secrecy on higher levels with very incredibly very rich corporations working with what you think are your government-elected appointees and so on, and with your the, the massive bureaucracy, which is even more important to an extent, uh, to get the jobs done, and then you have no public input to it. You don't even know what's happening. You don't know what's happening, what's going on, or all the various... You can't even keep up with all the terms they're going to come out with now. It's not just a Trans-Pacific Partnership and TISA and all the rest. There's a whole stack of them. You need a whole line of encyclopedias to explain all of this today. Literally, on that one side of things. And I'm not kidding about that. I really am not kidding about that. And they'll tell you, well, see, society today is just too complicated to tell the ordinary person uh, what's going on. It would take too much time and too much schooling to, for them to understand what's really going on. Therefore, we prefer they just stay out of it and leave the experts to do all the business and the ruling uh, that needs to be done to get all these things passed, etc., etc. And folk have been trained over a long period of time, starting about the 1960s, maybe even before that, definitely after World War II, into this new form of accepting that government is a quasi-secret society, in a sense. Uh, and you mind your place as a citizen and go and work hard, pay your taxes, and be entertained, have fun as much as you can, or as much as you can afford to. And stay out of the business, stay out of the business of the big boys. And this is a system that is called normal today. Most folks, I say, think it's all quite normal, because indoctrination has taken on them. All the media they watch and all the fiction they watch too, uh, especially the fiction, that's their new indoctrination to accept it even more so. And they do. It works awfully, awfully well. Without their conscious participation in making the decisions themselves, they all have opinions on things because they're given the opinions by experts and expert techniques have been worked out and they really are perfected to give them their opinions and make them think it's their own and they came to it by themselves. But the reality is it doesn't matter if you came to it by yourself or not. The fact is you, you, you don't have any power when it comes to really directing your life or those around you or your loved ones or anything else. It's all been taken away gradually, chipped away by laws, regulations, etc. until you're really on your own. And I've always said this to an extent. Uh, the rich or the great men, as they like to call it at the top, they love they loved the word great, you see, and for the big, big pushes to have. And that's what they call it too, the push. It's a famous term in history when their particular types of revolutions work. It's called the push. And so the big push now has been awfully successful. They're on a roll to bring the whole world under their system, this one system, with their dominance at the top of the whole financial sectors. Everything, your social work departments, your laws for social workers, uh, and the monitoring of children from birth to death, right through their lives, is all, all comes from economics. Everything, everything, your military, everything lives on the need for money. And therefore, money is at the top of the pyramid. The money system has lots and lots of helpers and all the professionals at the top with all the, the, the scientists working for them and the psychologists and so on, uh, working on their behalf 
to help it with the indoctrination process for the masses. And the masses truly today have been separated from any participation at all in directing the future that they would themselves would like to, 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 to see come to pass. It's all done by the experts. They're not even told why things are happening today. It's, it's beyond simplicity. The little answers are given. Oh, be good for jobs, good for trade. Regardless of all the past trade deals I've done, for instance, and this isn't just trade deals. This is the binding of the whole world, as I see, under a new system. That's what's so important to understand and comprehend and always remember. It's a complete system planned an awful long time ago when I've gone through the history of it from the organizations that worked on it for well over 100 years. And the organizations set up the things you'll hear occasionally, like the United Nations, uh, the, the European Union, uh, uh, NAFTA, GATS, uh, the IMF, the World Bank, the Bank for International, all private organizations, all, which are all the same group that own them all, by the way, set up by private members, not through politics, but through their own associations. A long time ago, and we're simply going through their big business plan, and all the fallout that comes with it too, like Rockefeller says, you can't make an omelet without breaking eggs. It's just too bad. You'll have mass unemployment for a while, maybe depression, the whole lot, etc., etc. as you amalgamate countries. When I was growing up, they had little cartoons in the newspapers, often with the, the, the joke, that because so many corporations were swallowing up other corporations, and it'd be the world corporation would be the end of the joke. And they would run every aspect of your, your life in every single country. And that's almost where we are. You'll even find that it's the same minority shareholders who have the bulk of the shares and the private shares, by the way, of the top corporations. They run all your energy, food, water, and everything else, and your money, <laughs> which isn't yours. But anyway, that's a complex thing for, for many folk who live in the simplicity of television land to comprehend. If you truly have become streetwise, nothing shocks you because you know what has to come next and next and next. The big boys themselves, if you dig deep enough, even with all the secrecy, they'll have kind of condensed little versions of their various projects, etc., out there in PDF forms for Universities have them, etc. Uh, and you can glean from them where they're going. Uh, it's not that secret. It's an open secret to an extent. And as we acquiesce, this is the whole thing, we, we gradually accept the fact that experts rule is that you acquiesce and give, give them uh, legally, actually. You give them a legal rep, uh, right to represent everything that runs your life. That's how law works, basically. So... You, nothing shocks you as it comes down the pike. I always get a laugh when I tune into some alternate shows, Once in a Blue Moon, uh, not many actually, to, to hear the same old spiel of just get the right guy in for the, and we could vote them into politics and it'll all change, which is the, the, the joke they've been playing for years. It's, it's a, a definite joke, folks. And, uh, and they know it too. So... One person isn't going to change all of this. If they could do it, they wouldn't be they wouldn't be breathing for very long. Put it that way. And same thing with voting. If it really worked for the people for their and for their benefit, it would be banned. 
But in reality, as I say, uh, reality is vastly different from your indoctrination. So it's streetwise folk don't get don't panic about things. They know it's coming down the pike, and they don't get all hot and bothered about it either because uh, they understand the the, com- the complexity and the total the totality. Really, that's the key of all the different things that are all working together to make all of this happen. It's it's hard to wake up to an extent and see what to go for and say, okay, let's start getting a group to oppose this or oppose that, etc. There's not many things you'd have to, to, to oppose. Uh, that it's, it's impossible. To, there's, there's thousands of them. Thousands of them. So, so you need, there's a whole lexicon there. You need encyclopedias larger than uh, the Britannica sets you used to have. To, to explain all of the different meetings that are happening all the time across the globe where your your government is represented with corporations and so on and all these different institutions, then all the non-governmental organizations, the new form of what they call democracy, where the NGOs work for the big foundations, which are the fronts for the private corporations to pretend that they have public input. No, they don't have public input. They have a, a paid army of NGOs that, that will go and demand things which the corporations themselves want to get to get passed into law. And therefore, where would you start with all of this? It's so far gone, so far gone. Therefore, um, the, the whole key is secrecy. Secrecy always wins. If it, if it is kept quiet and secret, you can't oppose something like that when it is so incredibly well organized with the richest folk on the planet at the top involved in it all. can't be done. You don't know what to complain about if you don't know what's going on and what's really going on and the whys of why these things are going on and happening. And where they intend to go with it all. So the average individual who is a TV person really thinks when they hear little quips on maybe a bit of, once in a blue moon on the news about something that really matters, it's not put across to them, it's not conveyed to them by the narrator on television or whatever as a serious thing that they should even think about, and therefore they don't think about it. And it's just deleted from their memory banks as soon as it comes in. And that, that's well understood. But legally, it's been maybe announced, you see. So legally, if there's no objections to it from the public, and let's be honest, what the public, what are the public going to do? You already have your fake groups that represent the public, all these NGOs. And the money and the organization that you'd have, to, and the time you'd have to put into something to create such an organization to oppose one thing would be utterly phenomenal. Utterly phenomenal. And when you're worrying and scurrying and working your little job, uh, you don't have the time for that kind of thing. They know that at the top. They're perfectly well aware of this at the top branches. And therefore, uh, as, as I say, the big boys always get what they want. It's so easy to do it when all the public understand it's really just a mass of, of misinformed confusion. It's very easy to, to just ram things through. But when governments really keep all these major things that are going to affect everyone's life from now until eternity, and every generation that is, then is it right or wrong? 
And those who think, well, that's all wrong. Well, again, do you really think that history has shown there's ever been an age where things were above board? And honest, etc. Most folk today, with their minimalistic education, think that democracy has always been around. And even then, they have a very confused idea and understanding of what democracy is. They truly do, and they really haven't. In other words, they're kept in ignorance. If you're kept in ignorance, you have nothing to compare anything to, or any stage in life that's happening around you. To anything in the past It's very difficult when it seems to be new terrain for you Even though things have happened before In different respects And in some cases The big boys at the top With all their massive organizations Working at the, the higher pinnacles of power Across the planet Like the Royal Institute for International Affairs Or off International Affairs And all of its branches, etc uh, They have their inner group at the top And their outer group the inner group never publish anything to the general public. It's kept utterly secret. Even the members at the top are kept secret from the outer party lists, basically. We don't elect these boys, but they set up the, the UN, the IMF, uh, the central banking systems across the planet, etc., etc., the, the Bank for International Settlements, uh, NAFTA, GATT, Visa, TPP, all these different th- terms that you may have heard. Uh, they set up all organizations and they have all the plans for it and the amalgamations of countries into into big blocks and eventually the country itself withers away and you're just left with the big block. Just like any big corporate takeover and amalgamation. I've said already that slavery's always existed in some form or another and if you think you're free and you can earn so much and have so much left of whatever units they use for you to accumulate or spend at the end of the month, then you probably just keep on thinking you're still free to do so. And you are. So if you've paid everything you, you, you owe, etc., you are allowed to spend that money. And so slavery can have, be really nasty slavery where guys have whips and whacking and all that. Or it can be more of a very subconscious agreement between the slaves and the experts above them, in suits and ties, etc., that run them all and make all the big decisions for them, is a kind of a tacit agreement on a subconscious level from the, the people's point of view. They don't think about it really too much at all or in any kind of depth, except that they try to venture into the world of what, how, how it works. is too complex and they just simply shut down and go back to playing themselves and being entertained or partying or whatever it is they do. So there are definitely better forms of slavery than other forms. And it might surprise them to know if they cared at all. They might see it in a movie, for instance, and they'll say, oh, wow, yeah. That's where they learn most of the things today, even though it's generally negative or wrong or misrepresented. You'll find that uh, slavery has always been discussed by elites all down through the ages to the present day. Always. The elite at the top have no problem about political correctness. Political correctness works as a censor mechanism on all of you. They make sure you get taught all of that with the Pavlovian responses when certain topics are mentioned. You shut down and go back to your default positions. But they themselves have no problems talking about what is since they are in control of it all at the top. 
And they can look at any people or race or whatever and say very objectively how they see that race and what the traits are, etc. Because we all have different traits, you see. And the uh, same with the cultures. And they know that most of the modern traits were given to all the peoples for control purposes. I remember discussing simply the monetary system with a banker in an informal meeting years ago. And it was quite surprising to see his mindset. Uh, he wasn't just a banker, he was up higher in the branches and all the rest of it on an international level. And he said, well, we, we give the people jobs. Like the, the people to him are just little insignificant numbers. He dealt on numbers all the time and the people in the masses were just numbers of people who didn't really think they just existed to the extent. But he says, we give them work, we, we, we deal with the money. And the, money, the whole money system was a con and a joke in itself in order for uh, a smaller elite. I mean, the whole idea with slavery, for instance, is that a small minority can benefit and live higher than all the people beneath them. And nothing has ever changed on that. Because it's true that all wealth really comes from the people themselves at the bottom. All production, all everything comes from human effort and ideas and labor and all the rest of it. That's very, very true. The boys at the top don't believe in laboring themselves. They get all of you to do it for them. And they work out a system to make sure that there'll be always been plenty enough laborers at the, the bottom to do all the work that the elite want them to do for as little as possible. But it doesn't really matter about all the, the different uh, schools of thought on that. The fact is, is, this is how it all is. And even you look into the, the Marxist system too, it wasn't to free people, as people have been taught with the propaganda that was put out. Rather, it was to scientifically organize and run and rule and manage a whole people with ex by experts again. Not diff much different at all. That's why they work together, you see. They have a lot in common. And that's why they're so cl close to the guys who, who run what they call the right wing or fascist type systems or capitalistic systems. They work together because they're both on the same road, actually. And even in the top meetings, you'll find that they say, well, let's see what we have in common. That's the first thing they do. Let's see what we have in common, what, what, what we agree with, etc. And they'll say, well, we're not so different after all. Efficiency. You see, how to run a whole world population in a, an efficient manner. That's the idea behind it today. has been for a long time. You don't really matter, all you faceless people at the bottom, the, what they call the silent majority, which most folk belong to the silent majority. They live and they may or may not breed and they, they work and they die. And they're forgotten in history. Where do you find history where peasants are mentioned, individual peasants in any nation, except when it comes to kind of some kind of rebellion perhaps? Outside of that, there's nothing. They're just the peasants, the peasants, the peasants. Nothing has ever changed down from the beginnings of time to the present day and for the foreseeable future. You're just, you, you exist actually for the system. That's what the, the economists say. Your function is to produce and consume to an extent uh, and keep producing as cheaply as possible for those who own everything. That's your purpose. And that's how they see all of you. Uh, when you're born, why do you think they're so incredibly 
interested in your genealogies to see what genes you might have inherited so they can figure out what diseases you may or may not have down the road. Because the big boys in all nations, by the way, for an awful long time, well over a hundred years, have fathomed out the projected income of each individual until they die. And from that income, how much taxes they can glean from them too, you see. It's incredible how much we're studied. We're so important and yet unimportant at the same time on an individual basis. The big boys at the top too love sports themselves. They love competition amongst themselves. And they agree to have competition once in a while. Then they shake hands, smoke cigars, etc. And, and then kiss and make up when someone has won and someone has lost. Because they don't really ever lose at the top. They make sure they, 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 they definitely divide up the spoils of war amongst themselves uh, all the time. It's kind of gentleman's agreement. That's the kind of thing they have at the top. But for the people at the bottom, as I say, your, your purpose is to produce for the gross national product, the domestic product. And that's, you think about it again, back to sports and betting and all the rest of it that the elite love to do. They've got the public train now that's awfully important to, to have an idea of this vague thing of, of, of the economy, this very vague thing in a simplistic manner, and the gross domestic product of your country, your output and, and, and what they've earned that year, etc. It's just amazing because who said you're born for that purpose? Well, they did, you see. No one's ever sat with you and said, what's the purpose of your life? Because you're already, the game has already been written for you. The rules are, are written for you. And, and the barriers are already in place for you that you can't go beyond. So your purpose in life is to live in the little circle that you live in and get the kind of job within that kind of circle that you could possibly get. And again, earn money, produce, pay taxes, and so on. That's your purpose. Not how you really feel. or how. Actually, they brought that into it in recent years. It came from the United Nations with the behaviors that worked for them. With, with the, it came out of the whole well-being aspect of thing, the, the positive thinking. Don't look at the negative things. Look at the happy things in life. It's penetrated everything in, in psychology for indoctrination purposes. And it's now into the whole realm of, of what your purpose is and so on. And are you happy? Are you do, how is your well-being? What in the earth is well-being? Or your wellness? And they have surveys now they're putting out in different countries and have been for quite a few years now. Rather than say, are you happy making ends meet and having a little bit left over to watch a movie or something or whatever it is you want to do or get get a particular album, music album, whatever it is. Uh, It's not that anymore. Because you see, you're going into austerity where most of what you earn is going to get taken up by what you need to buy for pure survival, your food, water, bills, energy bills, and all the rest of it you have to pay for. And that's where it's all to go, and taxes. Therefore, it's more important you start thinking about wellness. In other words, it doesn't matter if you're living in a pigsty, uh, which is falling apart, but how do you feel about it? Or do you feel happy about it? So the happiness factor, this again, this fantastic mind-bending technique that they use, 
to take your, your problems away from what's really wrong into, well, it doesn't matter what's wrong, how do you feel about how you're living? Forget the, the problems of why you're like that. How do you feel about it? Can you be, how can we find a way to make you happy? Well, that's what, of course, the Freud and uh, School of Care with, with Pharmacology and all the rest of it came out with too, was that uh, whoever made you break down in the first place uh, in society as you ran and scurried and tried to pay your rent in the city and all the rest of it, uh, whatever made you break down all these stress factors They were relevant If they could just make you feel happy by giving you a pill Then you were cured You went back into society to have sex once in a blue moon And uh, you could drink and party If you could afford it And uh, and you were back at work So if you get those factors working again that you, were, you were well again, you see Wellness And now they're trying to do it with drugs And without drugs as well you don't look upon upon your situation in this fashion. Look upon it that way. This this is a new way of looking upon it. You'll feel happy about it then. You see, you have no idea how important it is to keep you happy. Because if you're unhappy, you're not a good producer at all. You're examined like the products that are sold, and technically, you aren't the product. You're the product that makes. The wealth for everyone else. Collectively, we all are. And for, especially for those at the top. That's reality. I'm sure for those who followed the alternate media for years and the, the, the old organization that were called the Patriot Movement that, that was about keeping your countries, etc., intact and try to save yourselves from getting really swallowed up by corporations and international corporations that swallow up countries. You've noticed how really uh, they've all changed. Lots of them, some of them were fake to start with. Not lots of them, but some of them were definitely fake to start with. And uh, they're, they're more like entertainment shows today than anything else. So they've gone into the entertainment kind of side of things as well. Other guys, other members have kind of dropped out because they realize that you can't do much about things, the way things are set up. And they're going into the entertainment side of things as well by, by um, going into the, 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 the mystique of the past. Because everyone's hungry for some kind of religion today, you see. You can take um, people out of religion, but you can't take religion out of the people. So when you destroy existing religions, you'll find people are going to the new age, the kind of magical thinking side of things, and they bring mythology of the ancient past and, and try to make it real as though it really happened with massive giants walking around the earth and all the rest of it. And people swallow that up. It's great money if you want to do that. They'll swallow it up. They can't get enough books written about it because it's entertaining. You see, it's fascinating. And entertaining as well. And it's a form of religion to an extent. Therefore you can expect to see more and more people drop out or gradually blend in more of the fantastic into their alternate media because it's safer, for one thing, for them. If you're prattling about ancient giants or whatever it happened to be in the past and things of mystery which you haven't been able to explain and so on, it all must have been the aliens because we couldn't do that. 
etc. So it's a simplistic answer. But if it fascinates you enough, it's entertaining enough, then you'll be left alone. It's, it's not going to harm anything that the big boys are doing today. But you're prattling on about this kind of stuff at all. And the big boys are so happy that you're doing all that because now you are stamped as safe, completely safe, you see. Yep. And now they have traveling conspiracy shows that go around the country and so on. Big money and some big names involved and so on. And they talk about what's happening to an extent. And other guest speakers in the same event will be guys on aliens and and UFOs and and so on, until it's all into one big circus, you see. Slump, you just become part of the circus when you're just giving out the plain facts of what's happening today. It's a shame that. But that's counterintelligence to an extent because, in fact, they're very happy for that kind of thing, if not directly involved at times, because then they've literally countered the intelligence you're putting out by getting you lumped into a lot of kind of magical thinking stuff that folk would laugh at and, and think that's crazy stuff, you see. I never ever intended to come out and really change in a drastic way anything except to save a few souls here and there from bashing their heads against the wall as they're growing up, the kids especially. Uh, the ones who have the street smarts who realize something's vastly wrong and they demand answers when they can't find the answers. They blame themselves, their brains are very active, maybe more active than others, and they'll either drug themselves to get some peace in their head, or drink themselves to death, or both, or whatever, and blame themselves because they haven't achieved what they've been trained and brainwashed to think they should have achieved and should be achieving as they go on in life. The system is rigged, and that's why I've always said, stop blaming yourself. The system is rigged. The beauty of it is understanding it all. Because that becomes a piece by itself. You know what comes down the pike, what's coming down the pike. Nothing's going to shock you. And nothing should shock you if you truly are well informed and you truly understand what's going on. The world is run by conology. I've said that before. And that's the best science of all to control everyone, chronology. Now here's an article about the banking system. And it's not really a new expose, but it's reiterated from old stuff, obviously. And if you've been awake for years, then it's nothing new to you. Except more folk are mentioning it, and it's accepted that folk are mentioning it by the elite themselves. And it's not bothering them at all. But this article goes on to say, fast-tracking the TISA. Uh, it's another organization, you know, part of their, their trade deal. Stealth blocked to monetary reform and the banking game exposed. In March 2014, the Bank of England let the cat out of the bag. Money is just an IOU. And that's what it's always been. That's what paper money, now it's electronic money. It's an IOU. And the banks are rolling in it. So wrote David Graeber in The Guardian the same month, referring to the Bank of England paper called Money Creation in the Modern Economy. The paper stated outright that most common assumptions of how banking works are simply wrong. Now, why were they put out? Well, because it was part of the conditioning of the people. You get brainwashed into the false assumption. 
it's Biden deliberation. Uh, the result, said Graeber, was to throw the entire theoretical basis for austerity out of the window. The revelation may have done more than that. The entire basis for maintaining a private extractive banking monopoly may have been thrown out the window, and that it could help explain the desperate rush to fast-track not only the Trans-Pacific Partnership and the Transatlantic uh, Trade and Investment Partnership, the TTIP, <laughs> again, back to these seven encyclopedias, but the Trade and Services Agreement, TISA, and TISA would nip attempts to implement public banking and other monetary reforms in the bud. The Bank of England report confirmed what money reformers have been saying for decades, that banks do not act simply as intermediaries taking in the deposits of savers and lending that money to borrowers, keeping the spread in interest rates. Rather, banks actually created deposits when they make loans. And they do create deposits. That's how it works. The bank is fractional reserve. The Bank of England report said that private banks now create 97% of the British money supply. Private banks. Uh, same in America and same in Canada or everywhere else. It says the US money supply is created in the same way. It says that money is really just an IOU. The role of the central bank is to preside over a legal order that effectively grants banks the exclusive right to create IOUs of a certain kind, ones that the government will recognize as legal tender by its willingness to accept them in payment of taxes. There's really no limit on how much banks could create, provided they can find someone willing to borrow it. And it says, just consider what might happen if mortgage holders realize the money the bank lent them is not really the life savings of some thrifty pensioner, but something the bank just whisked into existence through its possession of a magic wand which we, the public, handed over to it. Well, we didn't, you see. It was done by stealth and chronology. If money is just an IOU, why are we delivering the exclusive power to create it to an unelected, unaccountable, non-transparent private banking monopoly? Why are we buying into the notion that the government is broke, that it must sell off public assets and slash public services in order to pay off its debts? The government could pay its debts in the same way private banks pay them, simply with accounting and entries in its books. What will happen when a critical mass of the populace realizes that we've been vassals of a parasitic banking system based on a fraud, that we the people could be creating money as credit ourselves, uh, through publicly owned banks that returned the profits to the people. Henry Ford predicted that a monetary revolution would follow. There might even be a move to nationalize the whole banking system and turn it into a public utility. It's not hard to predict that the international bankers and related big money interests anticipating this move would counter with legislation that locked the current system in place. So there was no way to return money and banking to the service of the people, even if the current private model ended in disaster, as many pundits also predict. And that is precisely the effect of the Trade and Services Agreement, which was slipped into the fast-track legislation now before the U.S. Congress. It is also the effect of the bail-in policies currently being railroaded into law in the Eurozone of the suspicious war on cash seen globally, but those developments will be the subject of another article. This is on June the 3rd, 2015. WikiLeaks released 17 key documents related to TISA, T-I-S-A, which is considered perhaps the most important of the three deals being negotiated for fast-track trade authority.
The documents were supposed to remain classified for five years after being signed, displaying a level of secrecy that outstrips even the Trans-Pacific Partnership's four-year classification. TISA involves 51 countries, including every advanced economy except the BRICS countries, as Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. The deal would liberalize global trade and services, covering close to 80% of the U.S. economy, including financial services, health care, education, engineering, telecommunications, and many more. It would restrict how governments can manage their public laws, and it could dismantle and privatize state-owned enterprises, turning those services over to the private sector. Well, that's part of the big, big purpose of it. And it says, recall the secret plan devised by Wall Street and U.S. Treasury officials in the 1990s to open banking to the lucrative derivatives business. To pull this off required a relaxation of banking regulations, not just in the U.S., but globally, so that money could not flee to nations with safer banking laws. The vehicle used was the Financial Services Agreement, concluded under the auspices of the World Trade Organization's General Agreement on Trade and Services. The plan worked, and most countries were roped into this liberalization of their banking rules, The upshot was that the 2008 credit crisis took down not just the U.S. economy, but economies globally. TISA picks up where the financial services agreement left off, opening yet more doors for private banks and other commercial service industries, and slamming doors on governments that might consider opening their private banking sectors to public ownership. In a report from the Public Services International called TISA versus Public Services, the Trade and Services Agreement and the Corporate Agenda, Scott Sinclair and Hadrian Mertens Kirkwood noted that already formidable challenges to safeguarding public services under GATS, G-A-T-S, would be greatly exasperated by TISA, which blocks the emerging trend to return privatized services to the public sector. Communities worldwide are re-evaluating the privatization approach and re-municipalizing these services following negative experiences with profit-driven models. These reversals typically occur at the municipal level, but they can also occur at the national level. One cited example is water remunicipalization in Argentina, Canada, France, Tanzania and Malaysia, where an increasing frustration with broken promises Service cutoffs to the poor and the lack of integrated planning by private water companies led to a public takeover of the service. Another example is the remunicipalization of electrical services in Germany. Hundreds of German municipalities have remunicipalized private electricity providers, have created new public energy utilities following dissatisfaction with private providers, inflated prices, and poor record in shifting to renewable energy. This has brought uh, electricity prices down. Other sectors involved in remunicipalization projects would include public transit, waste management, and housing, because everything's been privatized off. Sinclair and Mertens would observe the TISA would limit and may even prohibit the remunicipalization because it would prevent governments from creating or reestablishing public monopolies or similarly uncompetitive forms of service delivery. So it's an attempt to stop you putting back into a public system, owned by, technically owned by the public, 
and run by local governments or whatever it happens to be, it's an attempt to stop all that and keep it all private. This is like Gats or Article 16. Uh, the TISA would prohibit public monopolies and exclusive services suppliers in fully committed sectors, even on a regional or local level. Of particular concern for remunicipalization projects are the proposed standstill and ratchet provisions in the TISA. The standstill clause would lock in current levels of service liberalization in each country, effectively banning any moves from a market-based to a state-based provision of public services. This clause would prohibit the creation of public monopolies in sectors that are currently open to private sector competition. Similarly, the ratchet clause would automatically lock in any future actions taken to liberalise services to any given country. If a government did decide to privatise a public service, that government would be unable to return to a public model at a later date. So once it's privatised, in other words, to any international body, any part of the service, your national services, um, you can't go back. That's what the purpose of it is. So, it's awfully, uh, really important, as I say. The public don't hear about any of this stuff here. It's not, it's not done on special documentaries on the media anymore, because the media's all part of it, as you well know, of managing you, and on behalf of the elite. And... Um, so really, people can't even... I wish they'd stop saying the word democracy. It, it, it has, it's meaningless to me. Completely meaningless altogether. When there's no public input, because the public are kept in ignorance of what's even happening. Utter ignorance of it. So there you go. Remember, too, the, the meetings that go on, on right now with the fast tracks and so on, uh, nothing's going to go back. That's the whole point of it with the teaser part of it and so on. Nothing will go back. They privatize your gas, electric, water to, to specialized companies. This is the whole key to services today. Specialized, just like Blackwater uh, was the, the big private military that would go in there when countries wanted to keep their name out of it. would use these private mercenaries to go and do the job for them in a specialized area. It's the same thing with the water industry, international water company, international electric company, international, you name it, name it, name it, all done. And remember, too, all of these utilities and so on have taken public money to set up in the first place in all your nations. There were public services owned by you lot, supposedly, and uh, like postal services and all these things. They want to privatize every facet of government. When they privatize every facet of government itself, you no longer have this, again, fake idea of democracy. It doesn't exist at all then. Because well, all you need is one private company to say, we are the world governors. And they'll come in and put their bid in, and they'll do all the things and more that you think your national governments did. This is where it's all supposed to go. With the new feudal system, with the CEOs of the multinational corporations being the new overlords, for, for the very, very near future and onwards. A very old plan. I've gone through the history of it so many times. People should really use CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website, and they do actually, but for those who haven't heard about it, there's always newcomers coming in. You, you'll find the archive section, thousands of talks have given all this, this history of it all, what was behind it, etc.
and you understand that it's taken an awful long time to get all of this step by step, every so many generations to the next big push and so on to, to where we are today. And this is pretty, pretty well at the last stages of, all, of the big push. The last stages, folks. And most of the populations will float through it. And I'm telling you, they will. Uh, until over another generation, their national flags will start to slowly, you know, slowly just be less and less until they don't see them at all anymore. Because most folk don't consciously think through their lives. I've seen so many examples of this in my own life where folk just don't ask questions at all. When the big trade agreements with China were made, pretty well in secrecy, again, same idea, by your governments working with the big international corporations, and suddenly everything's imported from China, all the things that were made in the US and Canada, all made in China. Nobody, the general public that I met, who were TV watchers and so on, uh, even even voiced uh, con- you know queries about it like why is it all made in China? It just didn't occur to them. And they'll do the same thing when the World Corporation runs their whole lives and so on. Well, it has not always been like this. I mean, you know, that's I hate to say this, folks, but that's pretty well what's what's happening. And remember, too, if you have health services, all privatized. There'll be some foreign company based, God knows where in the world, and this is headquarters will be, they'll run all your health care and your medical staff and set the curriculums for training for medical care and so on. All these things and training the doctors, etc. They're already trained for the big pharma, that's really what they are today. But um, And they push drugs, that's what they're, really, they're there for. Because there's no greater profit than in uh, terminal illnesses and disease. That's where you really have folk over a barrel. Do you want to live or die? And, okay, this pill's only cost you a thousand bucks and take it or leave it. That's the real system we live in. It's completely complete economics and, and greed-driven. And we've been watching my whole life this so-called gulf between the rich and the poor getting announced every year by the UN. is getting wider and wider into this vast, uh, almost a, a cosmic gulf between you and them. And uh, like Bertrand Russell said, he was a big part in designing this system for more efficient control of, the, of everything in, in life. He said that uh, the, the dominant minority, the elite who rule it all, will become a separate species. Well, they technically have, because they're born to be streetwise because they're trained from youth as to how the world really is. And they can say anything they want without... Uh, fear of embarrassment by Pavlovian responses kicking in through indoctrination and setting them back to default and blushing. They won't do that. No, they do anything at all that you're trained to react to, they're not. They make sure that you are, though. For peace, you understand. <laughs> now, none of this system and none of its expectations could ever hope to work for the elites without the use of electronics and computers and so on, starting with the computer, of course, and now into their iPhones and everything else, tying it all together into the cashless monetary system and all the rest of it, and the constant monitoring of you and dissecting your personality types and profiling you, etc., etc. All of that stuff couldn't exist without the computer 
And as I've said before, uh, you can get a happy type of slave who never thinks they really are a slave. Because they'll, they'll see what the benefits are. And they won't think about the negatives that come out of it. So they're quite willing to give all their data to whoever in order to get a particular app to come out that gives them a easier transaction banking or Twitter accounts or whatever it happens to be or Facebook. And this all had to work together. And you're being nudged, you understand. This is what they call nudging you step by step along a well pre-thought out plan to get the whole society along a certain path, you see. Before, they used to have to try basic advertising, and then they went into creative advertising, selling you the fantasies opposed to the reality, uh, and not even telling you why you should buy that product in reality. That's how it has been for a long time. And it's going the same way with, with all electronics, you see. Um, and why you should get on this system and get on that system and, and give up all your rights along the way. You know, what's in it for me? Well, I can do this then. Oh, that's fantastic. And they don't want to hear about the negatives, you see. That's the perfect and good citizen. That's what they're stamped down as, perfectly good. In other words, clueless, you see. So, you've been nudged along the path until everything's done through that little, at the present it'll be an iPhone or whatever, and uh, you can't live in a, any system outside of it, you know. I mean, technically today, we're trapped because we can't live without this thing called money, this con called money that runs everything else. That's why the biggest and richest folk at the top run deal not, with nothing but money, you see. Any corporations they own and, and whole chains of them are just secondary businesses. And, and even right down to even owning and running countries, because countries borrow from them too, and same thing. But they were getting nudged to every individual is along the same path and giving up absolutely everything. If the world did come to an end through some weird thing at all, uh, unforeseen thing actually, it would have to be, it would have to be unforeseen, uh, then no one could survive. Very few folk could survive without this thing called money. Because again, it's defined what we are supposed to be here for today as economic, economic units, you see. Earning and spending units. And you couldn't survive. I think Plato said it too, that the most, talking about the old uh, Solon idea, his uncle Solon, or his ancestor, who went to Egypt, and, and they were told, you, you Greeks don't even know how old you are as a people. And many civilizations, he was told, had come and gone and risen to high heights of greatness and had empires and collapsed completely. Because the greater the, the, the con of civilization is, based on a system, you see, that the higher it goes based on a fake system with a fake foundation to begin with, when it falls, it completely disintegrates. Today, as I say, there'd be mass starvation and everything, absolutely. Because no one knows how you plant a potato. Very few folk. And that's the way it is. But it, this, uh, this article here says that the next part, the nudging, MasterCard, this had to come, because it's, it's not finished yet, either, where we take it to. Step by step is how they do everything until you accept this. And then you go on the next step. Okay, I'll accept that too. MasterCard will approve purchases by scanning your face, you see. And this fall, MasterCard will start experimenting with a new program, approving online purchases with a facial scan. 
and said, check out, you'll be asked to hold up your phone and snap a photo. MasterCard's thinking it's easier than remembering a password. Well, everything's so easy. You can give up all your freedoms so easily. And it's just the new generation, which is into selfies. This is why they try to promote selfies, to get you into this, you see. I think they'll find it cool. Oh, coolly. They'll embrace it, said Aya Bala, who's in charge of coming up with an innovative solutions for MasterCard's security challenges. Innovation, or innovative, or even smart solutions. And it says smart or innovative. It's part of chronology. It means how to con the public. It says... The excuse is it's MasterCard's way of cutting down fraud. Currently, customers can set up something called Secure Code, which requires a password when shopping online. This stops credit card number-stealing hackers from actually using your card on the web. It was used in 3 billion transactions last year, the company said. But passwords get forgotten, stolen, or intercepted, so banks are following Apple's lead. The iPhone's fingerprint scanner started a security revolution in 2013. Apple Pay showed that customers are willing to use biometrics to prove their identity. So it's really just because you've all proven it that you're willing. MasterCard will launch a small pilot program that uses fingerprints, but also facial scans. It'll be a limited experiment involving 500 customers. But once it works out all the kinks, that's what, what they mean by that, the kinks, is the objections to it. They always do these little trials, you see, to find out the backlash or objections to it, to, f- to find ways to counter and get over those objections. Once it worked out all that, MasterCard plans to launch it publicly sometime after that. To pull it off, MasterCard has said that it has, has partnered with every smartphone maker, including Apple. It goes through the, the BlackBerry, uh, Google, um, Tech30, Microsoft, and so on, and Samsung. The credit card company is still finalizing deals with two major banks. So it wasn't ready to say whose customers will get this first and tells you how to do it. So uh, everything's step by step towards it, but it's only part of a big master plan, isn't it? Uh, only one little section of the whole master plan. Now remember, folks, you can go into cuttingthroughmedics.com, look into the archives, you'll learn so much from the talks I've given over the years, thousands of them. And you can also buy the books and discs at cuttingthroughmedics.com. You'll see the page there for ordering, etc. And you can donate as well, it helps me take over here. So from Hamish myself, from what is still presently Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>